Good evening. Go ahead and have a seat. Welcome again to the mine. We are down to the last four mines of the year. And then we're going to take a month off or so, and then we'll be back for our summer series. And then we're going to take a little bit of time off again, and then we'll be right back in the fall. So we're going to try to wrap up the book of James in the next four weeks. We're in the back half of chapter four. And so if you want to turn there, we'll be there in just a moment. Just spending a little bit of time um, lifting up those that, uh, that are suffering right now, in particular back east. And so I thought we'd just, we're going to be talking a little bit about God's will tonight. And, you know, I think a lot of people uh, in Boston are really, really struggling with that question. Um, God, was this your will? What, what just happened here? Um, and how do we make sense of it from a Christian worldview? Um, and you may have coworkers or neighbors or friends um, that are that don't know Jesus, maybe, and they're just looking around the world and saying, how, how does God let this happen? And uh, could he have done something? And why didn't he if he could have? And uh, so this may be a great opportunity not just to lift up the Lord in prayer, I mean, to lift up the people in prayer to the Lord, but, but maybe to look at this from a perspective of God, you know, I want to pray my socks off for these people involved. And maybe some of you have friends or family that are are back there, um, or that ran the race, and and so we can definitely be thinking about them uh, while we engage in studying the word, and um, certainly we want to keep it in a context of being practical. And so, as we talk about some things that may seem theoretical, um, what just happened yesterday was very, very real, and it applies to what how we live our lives and how we think about things like God and His will and His plan and. And how that involves things like tragedies and calamities. And so let me go ahead and, and pray, for, uh, pray for us tonight. God, thank you for, for who you are. Because God, uh, bad things happen. And God, um, and, and we, I pray that none of us would be um, presumptuous enough to begin to explain these things in terms of any other answer other than uh, there is evil in the world and uh, and bad things happen and people get hurt and people suffer this isn't the first it won't be the last and yet for those that lost loved ones um, probably feels like this is the worst And so, God, we lift them up to you. I I lift up these families that are going to spend the next few weeks arranging funerals and buying caskets and buying burial plots. And when the country has seemingly moved on or um, is dealing with something else, when something else makes the front page of our newspapers, God, these people will be still grieving. And so, God, we pray for them. I pray for this man that... Uh, had both of his legs amputated. I pray for the over 150 people that um, are physically suffering. I pray for the family that lost their eight-year-old son and for those that also lost loved ones. God, we we come to you in a in a in a day in it where um, this is all too common. And so, God, on one hand, I guess I just ask that Jesus would return quickly because. Um, because we desperately need his, his rule and reign here on earth. And yet, Father, your timing is perfect. Your plan is perfect. And um, if that's not going to happen tonight or tomorrow or 
then may we be about your business. And may we all, Father, take away from this tragedy that life is very, very brief. And it's very uncertain. And so why waste time um, being selfish and prideful and arrogant? And Father, may we, uh, may we take to heart, may I take to heart your word tonight. In Christ's name, amen. Okay, James chapter 4. We uh, left off last week talking about this issue of pride and humility, and I don't want to belabor the fact, but I didn't get to all of what I wanted to talk about, which was how to deal with sin, and so let me just kind of turn your attention here to the board, and as we look at how to deal with sin, I think you'll, you'll find that these five things are, and maybe these two can be combined, are in verses 6 through uh, 10. But he gives a greater grace, therefore it says, God is opposed to the proud but gives grace to the humble. James says then, submit therefore to God. So we have that here, submit therefore to God. And then he says, resist the devil and he'll flee from you. We have that here. In verse 8, we have draw near to God and he will draw near to you. And then in verse, uh, back half of 8 and 9, cleanse your hands, you sinners. Purify your hearts, you double-minded. Be miserable and mourn and weep. Let your laughter be turned to mourning and your joy to gloom. Humble yourselves. He bookends 6 and 10 with humble yourselves in the presence of the Lord and he will exalt you. Okay, so before we move on, and I know we got through verse 12, I believe, last week. I just want to focus on this one thing that I think is somewhat um, in pop culture now. uh, And it just, it kind of, it, it does this. It kind of moves in and out of Christian circles. I remember back in the 80s, late 80s, some of you may recall... Um, there were uh, books that came out. Frank Peretti wrote a bunch of books and the, uh, This Present Darkness. And, and it was all about spiritual warfare. And there was a big push to, to um, in Jesus' name, start claiming things and start casting things out, particularly demons and the devil. And, and so um, people would, would do that. But in the same time, they would justify some of their sin by blaming things or spiritual beings other than themselves. And so they would have a, a vice, let's say, or an addiction, and they would say, man, I'm really just, I'm being pulled down by the demon of, of alcohol or of pornography or of, of smoking or whatever it is. And it almost came across as, it's not my fault. But if we could just get rid of the demon, then everything would be okay. And what James is making clear to you and me throughout the book of James, I think, we've all been learning in a real practical way is you've got to own it. I've got to own it. None of us guys are going to die and go to heaven and have a sit down with Jesus. And Jesus is going to say, Greg, tell me about your life. And I'm going to say, well, you know, it's some good, some bad. And, and if it weren't for those demons, Jesus, I would have done a whole lot better. And Jesus would say, yeah, that, you know, sorry about that. You know, it's what are you going to do? You live in Gilbert. I mean, well, you know, what's he going to say? I mean, um, but rather, I think Jesus is going to have a, a, a heart to heart with you and me and say, now, I, I just need to understand why did you, why were you so involved with this? Or why were you so disobedient over here? And I think, guys, honestly, the only answer he's looking for is because, Jesus, I'm a sinner. And every time I sinned while I was on earth, Jesus, I chose to sin. I willfully went in the opposite direction of you. And I'm sorry. And I can't praise you enough for dying for those sins. Well done, 
I mean, that's, that's, that's the answer, guys. And so, so James comes along and he says, well, one of the ways that you can deal with sin is to resist the devil. So I just want to ask, we have two new helpers here. And, uh, you know, Zane and Gracie, could you give them a hand? Zane and Gracie are going to run mics for me tonight. And the very, the, so the very first question, if, you've, if this is your first time here at the mine, we just ask questions. You can answer them or give comments or questions. Um, but the question I want to ask and have you give some feedback is, how do we do this? Okay, so just real quickly, I think we know how to do this. I think we know how to submit to God. I think we know how to draw near to God. And I would even say, I think we know how to cleanse ourselves or purify ourselves. That's through repentance and confession. The question I think is this, if I want to deal with my sin, James, and you say resist the devil, I'm just simply asking the question, how do I do that? So question, food for thought, give us some feedback. How do I resist the devil? Is it do I drop kick him? Do I, uh, what do I do? How do I resist him? Because James says, resist the devil. And if you do that, what's the promise he has here? What will the devil do? He will flee. So this is important. If I want the devil to flee from me, then I'm go- I want to resist him. Okay, so how do I resist him? A couple thoughts. So Jesus actually gives us an example of how when he was uh, uh, in the desert for 40 days and uh, the devil was tempting him. Every time the devil tempted him, he responded with scripture. And it's sort of uh, his example of showing us that if you rely on the scripture and what it's teaching and you lean into the scripture, it will provide you the strength to resist the devil. Great. Excellent. So, in fact, I'm going to just make some side notes here. Great point and great comment. Um, so I'm going to put over here then, I think you're exactly right. I think that, I think that's in Matthew four, if I'm not mistaken, maybe one through 11 or ish somewhere around there. So, so you resist him with scripture. Now, of course, what does that beg then? What are you presuming? Yeah. I mean, Jesus didn't say, uh, Satan said, you know, so, you know, just bow down and worship me and, and I will exalt you, you know, and so I just need you to worship me. Or he didn't say, you know, turn these, turn these rocks into bread and so there you can eat. And Jesus said, no, I know, I know it's in the Bible somewhere that we shouldn't do that. Flee, Satan. But rather, how did Jesus start off every rebuke of Satan? It is written. And then he quoted scripture verbatim. Okay. If you're going to resist the devil with scripture, guys, you've got to know scripture. Uh, that we're, 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 James is kind of, he's, he's kind of pushing us along in maturity and saying, listen, it's time to cut loose and it's time to stop using the excuse. I know it's in here somewhere. Um, and it's time to start quoting scripture. Now, truth be told, can we just get our cards out on the table? I'm not a huge fan of, of memorizing chunks and chunks and chunks, but I've had this Bible for 26 years or so, and, and so what happens is the more you read it, and the more you read it over and over again, guess what doesn't change? After 26 years, guess what hasn't changed? None of this has changed. Not one bit. In other words, the format hasn't changed. The placing hasn't changed. And so when you say something like Matthew 4, 1 through 11, I can, at least in, the, in my Bible, I can see in my head where it's at. And I can see the page and where it's on the page. And, 
And that's not anything other than it's only because someone told me, look at Matthew 4 again. Look at, go to Matthew 4 again. And so I've gone there in the same Bible. And so if I can just get on my little soapbox here, we've got, so I've got a Bible on this. I've got a Bible on this. I've got a Bible on my phone. Uh, when we've got Bibles galore, the average American has between six to eight Bibles somewhere in the, on them, on their person now with technology in your home, on you somewhere. And what I'm going to suggest is this guys land on one of them. And this is going to, Oh my gosh, I can't even believe I'm saying this. Um, I would even recommend a hardback meaning like a, a book. There's something about, I don't know. There's something about feeling and touching and, and turning pages and that, that maybe that is old school. I've got the technology. And so I, I come, I come on Sunday mornings usually with this. Um, so I get it, but, but when I, when I, I don't know, when I want to get close with God, can I say, I, I go to this and it's just weird like that. I don't, I don't know what that is, but it's, it's, I'm just familiar with this. Um, this is, this is actually in my will, believe it or not. Um, and one of my kids will get this because I just, it's, you, you value that. And I just, I would, I would recommend the same. Just don't get too far away with, well, I got Bibles everywhere, so I don't need, because then you get on this, it's a different format, different version and pick a version. If you need help with that, I'd be glad to talk with you about the different translations and different versions out there. Pick a version, um, and stay, fall in love with that. Um, and so, so all that to say, you, you know your scripture. Okay. Yeah, I just gotta just gotta confirm that, you know. It, it, and, and I like what you said about the hard about the book. You know, it, you, you, if all else fails, you can always bust him in the back of the head with it. Yeah. Uh, there, and and it does and it's not not nearly as cool if you smack him with your Kindle. Yeah, and you'll break your Kindle. Right. And yeah, you, you don't want to waste Kindle. money doing right. that. But uh, but Psalm, but Psalm one nineteen verse eleven. I have hidden your word in my heart that I might not sin against you. That's a great passage. Yeah. Perfect. Yeah, I have the same things. Uh, I look at uh, this one quite often as Ephesians 6, verse 11. Put, the full, put on the full armor of God so that you can take your stand against the devil's schemes. Great. Hey, would you mind, because you're right there, would you mind reading off the pieces of the armor? Yeah, it starts out in verse 10. It says, finally be strong in the Lord and in his mighty power. Put on the full armor of God so that you can take a stand against the devil's schemes. For our, for our struggle is not against the flesh and blood, but against the rulers, against the authorities, against the powers of the dark world, and against the spiritual forces of evil in the heavenly realms. Therefore, put on the full armor of God so that when the day of evil comes... You may be able to stand your ground, and after you have done everything, to stand. Stand firm, then, with the belt of truth buckled around your waist, with the breastplate of righteousness in place, and with your feet fitted with the readiness that comes from the gospel of peace. In addition to all this, take up the shield of faith with which you can extinguish all the flaming arrows of the evil one. Take the helmet of salvation and the sword of the Spirit, which is the word of God, 
and pray in the Spirit on all occasions with all kinds of prayers and requests. With this in mind, be alert and always keep on praying for all the Lord's people. Pray also for me, and whenever I speak words may be given me, so that I may be fearlessly make known the mystery of the gospel, for which I am an ambassador in chains. Pray that I may declare it fearlessly as I should. Great. Thank you so much. And let me just, uh, all of those elements are important, but notice what extinguishes the flaming arrows. What was that? Do you remember? Shield of faith. And so, uh, you know, if I could make a little, just even a little, you know, I think this also helps us resist the devil. And that's exactly what we're talking about is what, what kind of faith do you have? Well, what kind of faith do I have that that's even possible? Um, because if you go to first Peter, in fact, take your Bibles, go to first Peter. And, and I don't know if you can see on the screen behind me. So I put up words here and this would be, um, some of the, some of the words that are used to describe the devil, right? And so you can, and again, turn to first Peter and let's go to chapter five, because it is, a, it is, um, Peter is making us aware, um, of who Satan is here. First uh, Peter chapter 5, and look at verse 6, starting in verse 6. Peter says, humble yourselves, therefore. First uh, Peter chapter 5, verse 6. Humble, yourself, humble yourselves, therefore, under the mighty hand of God, that he may exalt you at the proper time. Again, focusing back on this issue here. Casting all your anxiety upon him because God cares for you. Peter says, be of sober spirit and be on the alert because he says your adversary which in this, it's a legal term here, and, and it means um, this was your opponent in a legal case. And so he was saying your adversary here, the devil, prowls about like a roaring lion seeking someone to devour. Whatever, whatever you've thought of Satan, whatever Hollywood wants to make of Satan, whatever pop culture wants to say about the devil, and hell's not bad, and the devil's not that bad, and the devil does look like Sparky or um, something along those lines or he, you know, what, however, however humorous the world wants to make the devil, the devil is the puppeteer, guys, of the world. And so if you're the devil and you think I can control what's being, I can control my PR, then of course I'm going to go that route as well. I'm going to make me a fluffy little, fun little friend. But if we go to scripture and scripture says, no, 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 no. The devil is a, a roaring lion. He's a prowling lion and he, he prowls about like a roaring lion seeking someone to devour. That's biblically who Satan is. Satan prowls around the earth like a roaring lion waiting for, to devour someone. He feasts off of humans. And that's who the Satan is that James is, is urging you and I to resist. And I'm telling you that if you think you're going to go up against Satan and do better than Adam and Eve did, you are sorely mistaken. Satan got them with pride, and that pride may not be your thing. He will get you with your Achilles heel. He will get you with your sin issue. All the time, every time. And so if you go up against Satan alone, you're going to lose every time, all the time. He hates you. 
nothing gives him more pleasure than to see you and I fail. Nothing. I, I will honestly will argue this. I think that I think that it gives Satan more pleasure, and this is speculation, but I think it gives him more pleasure to see a Christian fail than it does to see a non-Christian go to hell. Because to see a Christian fail is throwing it back in the face of his adversary saying, it doesn't work. Your people don't follow you all the time, every time. Your people are lukewarm to the point of being ineffective. And I will give you example after example after example after example after example. I hate your people and I will do everything in my power to see them fail. I can't take them to hell with me. So I will make their hell here on earth. And I want to see them limp into your kingdom because then I know you, you can't say to them, well done, good and faithful servants with any ounce of integrity because they weren't good and they weren't faithful. He is your adversary, folks. He hates you. He's not your friend. He's not someone to buddy up with ever. And he's not someone to, to, um, to, to take on alone without these things. And, and so this is where I think this comes into play. God, by faith, I can do this. By faith, I, be, I can become victorious in this issue that has plagued me for years. I can see victory in this, God. Why? Because I trust you. I'm living by faith. And I would say, guys, Satan hates that. Because, well, we'll talk about God's will here in a second, but who of us has seen God, has heard from God, has spoken to God and received an answer audibly? So what do we do? We live by faith. You don't know any more than I do that this whole thing is real. And I think what, what Satan hates the most is that there is a collection of people out there and it's growing and it's exciting that are saying, you can kill me for this, but I'm going to believe there is a God and there is a Jesus and he died for my sins and I'm going to heaven. And you can take my life for that. But that's by faith, right? You can't prove that. And that's why I think Satan hates it because you're willing to stake a, your life on faith. Yeah, we have a question or comment over here. Uh, yeah, just a, just a quick personal example of so i I guess earlier in my life i was caught up in the kind of the college party phase if you will and the i i went to church all my life but what i started to do was actually pay attention at church and then after that i stopped doing i stopped going to the places my friends wanted to go to yeah and number two i stopped hanging out with those friends period because i couldn't change them sure i changed myself but i couldn't change them so i had to i had to stop or else it was going to continue and and and, uh, thank you very much for that and and let me just accent that guys please don't think that satan fights this battle alone as i just mentioned he's the puppeteer well who are his puppets you are either a slave to god or you are a slave to satan the humanity falls into one of two categories. Well, I don't, that's not true because I, my neighbor doesn't know Jesus, but they're, they, they're good people. And there's the deception. What, do you think everyone that's a slave to Satan walks around with a cloak and 
a cat that they want to slay or something. I don't know what, you know, what we think of in terms of Satanists, but not everyone is behind a, a curtain with, with a Ouija board. That doesn't mean that they're not a slave to Satan. They're still going to a place where Satan's going to reside forever if they don't know Jesus Christ. And so wouldn't it make sense that Satan, rather than jumping out in some hooves and, and a pointy tail, would use his people to influence people of the kingdom? It makes perfect sense. Um, this is a spiritual battle that you and I are fighting today, folks. Paul makes that clear, abundantly clear. We see it in James. We see it in Peter. We are fighting a spiritual battle day in and day out. That song that is just ever so popular now, and um, Matt Redman singer, Chris Tomlin, or the, the um, oh, come on. Thank you, Angel Army. Um, I know, uh, I know who goes before. Thank you, yeah. Right, I know who stands behind the, the God of angel armies is always on my side. You know, that comes out of uh, what Second Kings, Elijah. And so Elijah's standing there, and, and they're about to battles about to uh, be brought on, and his servant says, you know, he's getting all scared and stuff, and Elijah says, Look up. And he looks up and he sees angel armies all around the camp, surrounding the camp. And guys, that's just a glimpse of what is reality for you and I right now. There is somehow, and I, I can't explain it other than, again, by faith I take this to be true, there are angels and demons present. And war is taking place. Not for, the, not for kicks. Not just because. It's for the souls of human beings. Battles are taking place for you and for me and, and the way we live our lives. And so, do I believe that we, you know, when, when that, Temptation comes and I'm able to resist it. I didn't receive some help from angels. I fully believe that. I can't prove it. I, I can't tell you quantity or I just know it to be true. And I praise God for that. I praise God that when you run the race well, there are angels in heaven cheering you on. I praise God that when you came to faith in him, the scriptures say that there was a party thrown in Luke 15. That there was rejoicing in the heavens over one soul that was saved. That, 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 that at the moment you came to know Jesus Christ, there was a banner with your name on it in heaven saying, Happy birthday. Happy birthday, Stan. Happy birthday, Alice. Happy birthday, Greg. Happy spiritual birthday. And there was a party going on because of you. This is a spiritual life we're living here, folks. And so James says, You want to live it well? One of the things you've got to do is resist the devil. And if you do that through scripture, through the armor of God, through faith, he will, re he will flee. He will say, well, maybe not this time. I'll, ch I'll check in on you in a couple months when you've had some low points. When you've, when you've, you know, but right now, you're doing what God wants you to do. I've got other people that aren't doing what God wants them to do. I'll go, fi I'll go fix them or fixate on them. But if you're doing what God wants you to do, I have nothing else to do with you other than to flee. So it begs the question. These aren't, this isn't magic. Over and over and over again. Repetition, repetition, repetition. Yeah. Thanks, Zane. I remember a pastor one time pointing out, and it's very sobering and it was humbling because sometimes personally I just think, well, it's not 
all that bad. It's, I'm okay, I'm good. It's, I, I spent a little bit of time in prayer or whatever, none. And, and I was reading an excerpt from a sermon where he said, you know, consider Samson the strongest man to ever live. He was toasted. Yeah. Consider David a man after God's own heart. Yeah. He was toasted. Sure. And consider Solomon the wisest man to ever live, uh, other than Christ, of course. And, and he got toasted yeah. by the, the devil. So who am I? Yeah. I'm really low on that line. So it, it's about being humble. It really is. And, and the three examples you just gave, too, I mean, look at the influence every one of those guys had. And I look at my circle of influence, you know, quantity in comparison. I don't know if Satan really even gives me the time of day. I think Satan sends like the like the the the, the lowest ranking demon after me. You know, he's he doesn't bother with guys like me, um, you know. And so if he can get the guys up here to fall, um, what what are these lower demons I mean, you know, but they do it time and time again. And yet, guys, there's hope. That's the point of this. James is saying you do not need to live a life of defeat. There's hope. And I'm not going to wave a wand and tell you to say some special magical prayer. I'm telling you, get into God's word, put on the armor of God, live by faith, and that's your hope. That's your, this is your hope. When you do this, Satan will flee from you. The demons will flee from you. You will see blessing in your life. You will see success according to God in your life. You really will. The correlation is all over scripture. Live righteously, I will bless you. Live unrighteously, I will discipline you. Jesus says, uh, Jesus says in the book of Revelation, he's talking to one of the seven churches and he says, I love you enough to reprove and discipline you. The question is, how much do you want of it? I love you enough, I'm not going to disown you. I'm not going to kick you out of the family of God, but I will reprove and discipline you till I call you home. How much do you want of it? That's the question. Um, okay, verse 13 now. Here we go. And this is really what I wanted to talk about tonight. It, James continues on and he says, Come now, you who say, Today or tomorrow we shall go to such and such a city, and spend a year there and engage in business and make a profit. Yet you do not know what your life will be like tomorrow. He says you're just a vapor that appears for a little while and then vanishes away. Instead, you ought to say, if the Lord wills, we shall live and also do this or that. But as it is, you boast in your arrogance, and all such boasting is evil. Therefore, to the one who knows the right thing to do and does not do it to him, does not do it to him in his sin. Instead, you ought to say in verse 15, he says, if the Lord wills, we shall live in this city and do this or that. So the question I guess I want to address tonight, and, and I throw up your hands, I'd, I'd really, I'd love your opinion on this. Somebody give me a working definition of the will of God. It's kind of a Christianese phrase. Oh, I want to be in God's will. Are you in the will of God? Let's do the will of God. God has a will. So I'm just asking the question. What do we mean when we say that? What does it mean that God has a will? Was there a thought or a comment or... This is actually from last segment. Okay, we yes, went sure. on before this happened. Great, yeah. Last segment, um, I find huge comfort in this. Um, Corinthians, you know, 
you know, 1013, it pretty much, you know, I'm going to butcher this, uh, butcher it, but it pretty much says, um, there's no temptation but given to people except which is common to man, but God will faithful with the temptation uh, allow a way to escape so you're able to bear it. And I was just talking with Jamie the other day saying, you know what, we, I read something in the newspaper about a travesty that happened. And I said, you know what, this travesty is bad, but there's probably five or six stop signs that they they passed and, and this travesty happened because they, they didn't stop at the stop sign. Sure. So God gave people several chances to, to go back without doing, you know, yeah. without damage, but they kept going forward. Yeah. So. Yeah, no, that's a great passage. I appreciate that. Okay, but you have the mic, and so what's your definition of God's will? God's will? Um, I just go, you know, love God's heart, my mind straight, and then love people as thyself. Love your okay. as thyself. I mean. <laughs> yeah, no, and that's, it. that's the outworking, I guess, or aligning ourselves with God's will. But the bigger, you know, just, I, I just like the definition. We use that term a lot, and it sounds great when we use it. it sounds spiritual when we use it. I just want to know what it is. Um, I've heard a lot of people say things about what God's will is and going along with the passage that was just given as a little girl, when I grew up, my grandmother always said, we should never say, this is what I'm going to do tomorrow. She would always say, if it is God's will, in other words, we get up, we have our own plans. We know exactly what we're going to do. In the case of yesterday, as tragic as that was, I'm sure that everybody that was at the marathon had their whole day planned. Sure. They knew exactly what they were going to do, but God had other plans. And I'm not saying that God said, let's have this horrible tragedy. Sure. But in that, everything changes. We don't know what's going to happen from the next moment to the next. Right. So when we make plans, um, that doesn't necessarily mean that's the way it's going to happen. When we yeah. pray for something, that's not what's going to happen. It's his will that's going to be done. And hopefully we're walking in it. And, you know, even though we're asking for things, he's going to give us what we need, not what we want. And yeah. his infinite thinking is, is yeah. far beyond far what greater we than ours, think. I'll bet. Yeah. So no, thank I you just, very much. I just think, you know what, though, you know, I don't know if you've been bothered by this, but when, when I was growing up and, and fairly new to the faith, I, I would get bothered by people saying, in fact, I was at a Bible study for a number of years where the leader of the Bible study would always close in prayer and he'd always say, and Lord, if you tarry, we will return next week. And I thought, what does that even mean? Like, what, what planet are you from? I mean, Lord, if you tarry, what, what does that even mean? Like, I had to go look it up, right? And so what he was saying basically was the same thing. God, if it's your will, we will return next week. You may have heard people include that in prayers. Let's pray for brother, brother Sam because he's sick and stuff. And so, God, we just want him to be healed if it's your will. And when I would hear that, to be honest with you, you know, true confessions here, it kind of upset me a little bit because I would always be thinking, all you're doing is covering your bases, right? All you're really saying is, is I don't know if he's going to get well or not. I would like him to get well, but I don't know. And I don't have enough faith to pray that he is going to get well. So I'm going to wrap this prayer up with, man, you can do anything, God. You can heal him if you want. You know, you can do, we want him healed. We know he'd be a better husband if he was healed, better father if he was healed. And, but then we kind of live in this doubt of, 
yeah, but I've seen a lot of people die with this, you know, or I've, I've seen a lot of people not get healed with this. And so I'm going to, I'm going to cover my bases. So God, I just, I want him healed and I'm going to trust that you're going to heal him, Father, if it's your will. Because if it's not your will, Father, then he's going to continue to get sick. And then we close, amen. And I would always leave those prayers thinking, well, now wait a minute. Which is it? Is he going to get healed or not? Because it sounds like a little bit of double talk there. It sounds like a little bit of, yeah, I would like him to get healed. But I'm not about to step on on that ledge. Because if I go and tell his family he's going to get healed, I know he's going to get healed because I just prayed he's going to get healed. And he doesn't get healed. I got to own that. And I'm not going to own it. So I will cover my bases by, well, if it's your will, God. And guys, honestly, I would get frustrated over that. So I would never say it. And because I would never say it, guess how many times I prayed for people to get healed? Because I didn't want to step out. And then I started to think about, why do people say it? And then I read this passage and I thought, James, why are you telling us to say it now? Dang it. And here's why, guys. I don't think it's, it's as much as covering our bases. I don't think it's as much as, well, I don't know what's going to happen, God, and so I'm just going to throw this in, and that way, you know, I got the safety net under this prayer. I think the reason we say this, I think the reason James wants us to say it is because he's trying to c- combat arrogance. James is trying to combat the person that gets up and says, I got this figured out, God. James is trying to, trying to warn the person that wakes up and says, I got the next five years of my life lined out, God. And quite honestly, it's a pretty good plan. And quite honestly, I came up with it. And so God, if it's just cool with you and me, I'm just going to go forward with this plan and you can be my co-pilot. But this is the plan, God. And that's what I think James is stressing is, don't be that person. So what is it that when we say, God, if it's your will, if it's the will of God, what are we really saying is James's point. And I think what James is really saying is, I want to be wholly dependent on you throughout my whole day. And so, God, you've given me a mind. I want to make a plan. But, God, what, who am I, God, if I would make a plan without you? What does that, what, what does that show me, God? If I'm going to make a plan and go my own direction and do my own thing without you involved in that and really truth be told without you leading that that is God just me being prideful and arrogant in a very subtle way I'm really saying God I've got this and James is telling us if you go to God and say I want to do this God but I want your will to be done then you're aligning yourself with God Then you're saying, God, I'm trusting in you for this. I think you've given me a heart and a passion to go do this, to go marry this person, to go work in this field, to go to this college, whatever it is. But God, I so want your will to be done in my life. That if I should make a step this way and it's not your will, God, please tell me that. Please redirect my path. Please, God, move me over here. Because that's what I desperately desire. But God, I got to get up and make decisions. And so, so I'm not a robot. I'm not a, I'm not, I just don't blindly wake up and wait for you to physically move me. I got to go make decisions, God. But God forbid I should make a decision that's not in your will. I think that's what he's saying here. 
Uh, you guys have patiently waited here, so let's go to Gracie first and then Zane over here. Yeah, way in the back. Anything we do, it's for God's glory. That's that's his will. Um, I when, didn't hear the first part. I'm sorry. I said, it's always for God's glory. That would be his will. So, as long as it's glorifying him, it right. will be his will. So if something has already happened, it's right. a part of his will, right? Absolutely. Okay. And so... Good segue into our next section here. I don't know if you can throw this up here. Let me get this comment real quick and then look up here because there's different kinds of God's will. One is his sovereign will. And his sovereign will, by definition, is God's predetermined plan that, this is from Gary Friesen, that determines everything that happens in the universe. This is God's sovereign will, which was just mentioned here by the person in the back that Hey, listen, if it's already happened, guess what? It's a part of his will. Why? Because it's already happened. Um, let, me, let me bring it down real practical. You marry someone. Don't ever ask after you say I do if this is God's will. That's not the time to ask. You gave up that opportunity. All the way up to I do. You had several opportunities all the way up to I do to say, is this God's will or not? You had all these many weeks or months or whatever to say, God, I don't know. Is this your will or not? And I'm going to say this. If you're unclear about that in some way, then why are you going? Why are you saying I do? Because once you say I do, that's not the time to start questioning. Life gets hard. Marriages are hard. We all know that. And if you start saying, well, maybe it's God's will, what you're really saying is I'm looking for a loophole here. Because life is hard. My, you know, my wife, she wasn't like this when we were dating or he didn't do this when we were engaged or, oh well. Because, because you said I do. And so guess what? It's God's will that you were married to that person. Yeah, right here. Yeah, two things real quick. Yep. One, one is... is a, While he's speaking, real quick, turn to Romans 9. Go ahead. The, the scriptural example that James is referring to is his brother in the garden who said, Father, I don't want to die. Yeah. But nonetheless, let your will be done. That, that's a great passage there. I mean, just and, the humanity of Jesus yeah. right there saying, God, I, this is hard. Who wants to get nailed to a cross? I, I don't want to get nailed to the cross. Yeah. And so... But if it's your will, yeah. And uh, sixteen hours later, we found out it was his will. And 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 the other the other the other point is 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 in 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 some sense we will never know what God's will is, except in hindsight. I mean, he tells us that in Isaiah fifty-five eight and nine, he says, "My ways are not your ways. That's right. My thoughts are not your thoughts. You you can't comprehend what my plan is because you don't know the way I think." You know and. I mean, when Leanne passed away, my wife died three years ago, hit by a car, and uh, it wasn't her fault. She was waiting at a stoplight, waiting to come home. Three kids, and you've, you've, most of you have heard the story. Um, so for three years, I've asked that question. You know, God, how? Well, I mean, how could this be a part of your will? Um, 35 years old, just, you know, how could this be a part of your will? Yesterday, I, um, Monday, yeah, yesterday I got an email from a former student uh, and he graduated about three or four years ago. I teach over at Valley Christian High School. He graduated, and I get this lengthy email from him saying, basically, while I was in your class, while I was in high school, um, I was a poser. 
just flat out said, I, I walked the walk uh, and because I did everything that I should do as a Christian. But truth be told, I, I was, I think by his own admission, said I was agnostic at best. And, and when I read this, guys, honestly, I, I mentally went back to, the, to that kid. And, that, and I thought, man, you did well then as a poser. Because I, I honestly thought, well, you, you love Jesus like anyone loves Jesus. And he said, in high school, I was, just, I was playing the part. And then Leanne passed away in 2010, and that's when I had this kid. And so I would go to class every day, guys, and, and I would just try to teach. But I would also, you know, part of my teaching philosophy is, man, if I can't share my life with these guys, I'm t- I teach Bible. I've, you know, if all I'm doing is teaching theory. So I would tell my highs and lows. And they would hear about, you know, stuff that's going on and struggles that I had. And that was a tough year to get through in terms of a profession and going, showing up to work every day. And, and so I would just share with them. Some days I would share with them, guys, I'm honestly, I'm pretty mad at God today. And I would just, you know, kind of vomit on them, um, spiritually speaking. And so this class was really special to me because... God took a group of 16 to 18 year olds and allowed them to walk with me through this first year of grieving. And, and to coincide with that, I was writing a blog at the time just to help my family members understand where I was at. And so they could check in on me and stuff by reading this blog. Well, he was reading this blog too, unbeknownst to me. And so he would read this and, and, uh, you know, and, and so, so, so what he said was, um, he said, you, the way that you dealt with things, the way you handled, yeah, you were mad at God, but you would always kind of end with, but God is good. And God's got a plan. And I don't know what it is. And I'm frustrated because it doesn't make sense on the front end. I can't see your plan right now, God. And so anyway, long story short, lengthy email, and he ended it with saying, um, that in part helped me now, three years later, become absolutely in love with Jesus Christ. I love him like, like I've never loved him before. And I want to serve him. And I want to, I was just, it was incredible. I really was. I was, and guys, yesterday in my kitchen, or it was, yeah, yesterday afternoon in my kitchen when I got that email, I just thought, God, you know, maybe, maybe there's a plan here in place. And and Leanne's in heaven now, and you have loved ones in heaven, I'm sure. And, and guys, there, I, you know, I wouldn't preach on this because I haven't been there, but I would, I would almost be willing to bet that they're in heaven thinking, listen, you're going to be here pretty soon. I know how good this is, so go out and get some more people to enjoy what I'm already enjoying, and we'll be together again. I'll see you again. And yeah, it's, you know, life's hard, and, but, but that's not the end of life. And if this kid's life can be moved by that, to a point where the, 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 the compass in his life is now redirected because of a tragedy, then praise God for that. Um, and, and that came out of the blue. And so I'm thinking about this. I'm thinking about God's will. And, and that, so, yeah, we don't know his plans. And his plans are greater than ours. And I could give you every human excuse why that plan, that moment in my life didn't work. And the people yesterday could give you every excuse as to why that plan in that moment isn't working right now. And you have your reason why whatever happened to you doesn't work, God. And they're legitimate hurts. Please don't misunderstand me that I don't hurt anymore because someone drew closer to Christ because of the death. I hurt all the time. 
And they hurt, and you hurt, and we all hurt. But what if God could unveil, when we get to heaven, the bigger picture? And what if he could put all the pieces together and he could show you why this death was necessary and why this tragedy was necessary and why this hurt was necessary and why this cancer was necessary. And then maybe, just maybe, I don't know, maybe, just maybe we would all step back just a little bit seeing the whole picture and saying, all right, all right, I, I get it, God. I didn't, I didn't get it. I get it. Um, maybe. So yeah, his ways are greater than ours, okay? So we have his sovereign will. Again, and I just want to highlight, this is predetermined. Romans chapter 9, verse 19. You will say to me then, why does he still find fault? And Paul says, for who resists his will? Paul is making it clear in that passage, guys, you don't resist God's will. If God wants to move in a certain direction, you're going to move in that direction. You're not going to be able to resist it. He says in... Revelation chapter 4, verse 11, if you're jotting down verses, worthy are you. These are uh, the 24 elders that fall down. They're crying out before God saying, worthy are you, O God, our Lord, to receive glory and honor and power for you created all things. And because of your will, they existed and were created. Okay, God created all things because of his will. You and I don't play a part in that. We don't get together with God and negotiate what we want the future to be. God says, I have a predetermined plan that has already been set into motion. Regardless of how good or bad you are, God says, it's, this is my will. And I need you, creature, to kind of get off the, the ladder of wanting to help me with my will. I've got this. And lest we think we're worshiping an arrogant or boastful or proud God, the reason God has this is because he's perfect. Which means this, guys. Conclusion, his will is perfect. If God is all good, his will is good. If God is perfectly just, his will is perfectly just. There isn't a point and never will be a point where God will say, I thought I had that one and I blew it. I just, I, did, I couldn't see that. Boy, I didn't know he would do that. I didn't know she'd say that. Now I got to change everything. You, you humans, you're messing with my will. God says, hey, it's like you're driving in the car, right? And the kids are like, you know, where are we going? And where are we going? And where are we going? And you just want to say, I've got this one geniuses that are seven or nine years old that think they know everything. I have this. Just sit back and enjoy the ride because I know where we're going and I will get us there. Okay. Yeah, but yeah, but, 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 but. No, I've got it. I, I think that God, I think God often laughs when you and I do the same thing. What about this guy? What about this guy? You should do this guy. And God's just laughing at us saying, I've got this. Trust me. Live by faith. I've got this. That's his sovereign will. There's another will here. We'll take this comment and then we'll get to this. This is his moral will. This is where it gets dicey. Yeah. Greg, I want to let you know I've been coming to the mine for a little over a year now. And your story is very inspirational. Nah, I appreciate that. Um, you, there's a special place in heaven for you. I want you to nah. know that. I can't wait to get there. I can't wait. Great. To me, it's very clear that the gospel, um, God wants all believers to believe, period. Yeah. 
And to me, there is millions and millions and millions of needs all over the world. Everybody has needs. Yeah. And God's not moved by our needs. He's moved by our faith. And, and I'll tell you, you mentioned marriage. And um, there's a lot of men in here that, that go to the men's Bible study. And I belong to, do, to two different discipleship groups. Um, my wife and I have been separated for two and a half years. Um, our court date has been postponed in the court system about six different times, and God has a plan. Mm. And I will not waver from what his promises are for marriage. And it's, it's been very difficult, but I have men that, that pray, pray in tongues, and, and I choose to believe. And, and no matter what reality says, um, I, I will continue to believe. I appreciate. It. I appreciate your vulnerability. It's, uh, Thank you. yeah, guys. Please hear my heart, guys. Um, uh, you know, I think in every marriage, there's a point where most of us face of a breaking point or a point of I got to get out, or she's got to get out, or we got to get out, or I mean, that's. Um, and so, I don't ever want you ever to think that I am making light of, or um, you know, somehow think it's easy. I mean, you know. I, I think marriage above everything, maybe even over parenting, is, um, is God's way to show the world uh, that, especially when two believers come together and can, um, and, and can live together for a, for, a, for a season or a, a period of time of their, their life or whatever, that, that dem- demonstrates to the world that he exists because... Because without him, in the middle of a marriage, it's, it's nearly impossible for that marriage to thrive and be successful. Even with him in the middle of a marriage, it's, it's just hard. It's hard to look across the table at someone that you're not liking at that moment. And, and we have this world that, again, I, I'm a full, firm believer that Satan, the, the master deceiver, um, uses uses the institution of marriage of what God designed to make holy and good to just spit right back in God's face. And, and, and that's what makes it difficult is, is the world we live in to have a man and woman come together and live successfully under one roof and do it well. And, and, and not just do it well, guys, I guess, but to enjoy it. Um, and not just do it well and, you know, hope that the next 30 years fly by because it's hard, but really to, 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 to enjoy their, their life with their partner. Um, I think that, that, that if that can happen, it's, it's a demonstration to the world that, that there is a God and he is real and he's alive because of how hard it is to make a marriage work. And so those of you that are struggling in marriage, um, yeah, my heart is that you would, you know, press on and, and there, we have, even at Cornerstone, we have plenty of resources to help you. Um, please, please, please don't do marriage alone. Uh, that's, that's not the island you want to live on is, well, we're just going to go do our thing. Um, get, you know, get guys, get around other guys and, and allow them to speak accountability in your life. And ladies, let some ladies just talk to you about maybe some blind spots or things that you can work on. Um, so, yeah, I appreciate you saying that. And, um, and I want to say, too, I guess as we close, um, uh, you know, if divorce is, is part of your story, um, you are not loved any less by God. 
um, you're not hated by him. You're not deemed as unusable by him. I think we saw a video last Sunday, Divorce Care is now here. Uh, maybe it's been here. I don't know. Maybe you can confirm that, but it's, it is here now. Um, and you can join a group of people that can, again, live life with you that have similar stories or, or experiences and, and can really help you through that. Um, I know that life is hard, guys, and I know that that pain is evident. Um, but part of the part of the joy, I guess, of being a believer is that we get to we get to show the world that my pain will not have the best of me. We get to show the world that listen, believers and non-believers struggle. Everyone, you know, Matthew seven says, "Hey, the winds blow and the storms come and the rains fall on both the person who knows God's word and the person who doesn't." The question is, whose house stands at the end of the day? And Jesus comes along and says, the house that stands at the end of the day is those that hear my word and they act upon it. Those that hear my word and they act upon it. At the end of the day, your house will be standing. And when the house of your neighbor falls, they need to, they need to be under a roof. They need to have a house. So they're going to come to yours. And they're going to come to you and want to know, how did you get through that? How did you survive that? Because I'm going through the same thing, and man, I'm dying over here. Well, you need to know my Jesus. Because I didn't do it. I wanted to die too, but you need to know my Jesus. My Jesus got me through this. Well, I want to know your Jesus then. Let's pray. Father, we, uh, we commit this time to you, and, and God, I, I pray that that as we continue this discussion next week about your will and, and what to do, maybe, maybe there's some in here that, that really need to be, have confirmation that what you're doing in their life is from you and, and not from human wisdom. Or maybe some are wrestling with a decision that involves moving or a job relocation, maybe a, a financial um, reduction. Maybe some are considering marriage in here. Maybe some are considering, uh, you know, is this the person for me? God, we want your will to be done. In fact, in, in with every eye closed tonight, I, I would love for us to close. Um, maybe if we could all just recite the Lord's Prayer. Our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread. And forgive us our trespasses as we forgive those who trespass against us. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For thine is the kingdom and the power and the glory forever and ever and ever and ever. And all God's people said, amen. Hey, we'll see you next week. Thanks for coming, guys.